You can take a break from everything. It's your permission slip to just stop and pause and to be done. And you can notice a critical thought and say, you know what? Not today. Just not today. Or you can think about a fight that you're having with somebody and you can say, you know what? Not today. I don't have to solve that today. I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is the third in a four-part series on Shabbos, where we are taking a deep dive together into the holiest day of the week. In our first episode, we heard from two women on their personal journeys to Shabbos. In our second, we explored a Hasidic discourse from the Alter Rebbe on the extra soul that a Jew receives on Shabbos. And today, we will hear from Elisa Shapiro, a therapist who has her own personal weekly relationship with Shabbos, on how we can receive the maximum emotional benefits from this holy day. Bittersweet to say this, but are you ready? <laughs> this Shabbos series is season two's finale. Season three will be launching on Yutis Kislev, which will be the third birthday of the podcast. If you have guest ideas or topics that you'd love to see featured in season three, now is a great time to reach out to us at humanandholy at gmail.com. We welcome your input and I'm so excited for what we have coming in season three. Stay in touch with Human and Holy by following us on Instagram at Human and Holy or by joining our online community where we will be having ongoing events throughout the summer and over the months of Elul and Tishrei. It's a beautiful space that lives on our site and on an app and now an optional WhatsApp group too. It's a powerful way to really invest in your soul and just have companionship and support alongside your personal journey. Membership is $15 a month. You can cancel anytime. Visit humanandholy.com slash community to learn more. I'll put the link in the show notes. And feel free to email us at humanandholy at gmail.com if you have any questions about the community or beyond. Today's episode is sponsored by Blimi Heller, who you may know from her page Unconditional Parenting on Instagram. Blimi is a parenting coach and a really wise, loving teacher for parents. I admire her so much as a person, just watching the way that she teaches and leads. You can find her courses on blimiheller.com, and I will put the link in the show notes. Thank you, Blimi, for making today's episode happen. If you are listening to this and are thinking, oh, I'd love to support the work of Human and Holy in season three, then please visit humanandholy.com slash sponsor where you can give in any amount or reach out to us at humanandholy at gmail.com to find out about dedication and sponsorship opportunities for some big projects we have coming up. All right, on to today's episode. Aliza Shapiro, our fabulous therapist on the emotional benefits of Shabbos. Hello, 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 hello,
So, hi, let's get started. I'm so excited to have you here. It's like literally brings my screen to life because I know you from through social media. Can you start by introducing yourself? Tell us who you are, a little bit about what makes you tick, what you're doing. Absolutely. I'd love to. So my name is Elisa Shapiro. I'm a therapist. I have a private practice here in the city and in Florida, actually. And that's who I am. That's what I do. And what makes me tick. We're getting right to it, Tanya. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I feel like part of what makes me tick is very connected to your name on Instagram, like how to be human, um, but also how to take that humanity to a deeper level. And I think what people get really like concerned about with the word like holiness or things with spirituality it kind of seems heebie-jeebie at times, but I'm like anything that's metaphysical, anything that's kind of beneath the surface, we can call spirituality. We can call the deeper parts of life. So for me, it's therapy because that's just the deeper parts of life mm. and being a therapist, helping people through their journeys, helping people figure out what they're made of, what makes them tick. That's what I do. And that's what I love to do. So yeah, hope that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Okay, yeah. awesome. I'm so excited that today we're going to be speaking about Shabbos. I feel like you're uniquely positioned to speak about this because you can speak to it from a professional standpoint and also from your own lived experience, which is the perfect intersection, especially for something like human and holy, as you said, like that living beneath the surface, which you're doing, and then also being able to draw it into the human experience. So I'd love if you could start just by sharing a little bit about what Shabbos means to you as a Jew, not as a professional, but just as a human Jew who's practiced Shabbos. Sure. I'd be happy to. So I grew up religious. I grew up with Shabbos in my life always. And I feel like I've had a bit of my own journey with my relationship with Judaism. But Shabbos has been a constant since I was a little kid. And I think it's truly changed who I am. And I actually don't know how I would be like a functional human being without Shabbos. For me, it means completely turning off from the things that I'm so connected to in the day to day, work, technology, being productive, everything that has to do with doing is what I kind of throw myself into during the week. And then Shabbos comes and it's just an automatic light switch. Well, I guess figurative light switch. (laughs) But I like like the candles and then there's just a breath and I know in my inner world, we're all done now. There's wow. 24 hours of we're all done now. And I think that that's honestly what it means to me. Yeah. Nice. That one breath. I totally, like, it's literally a before and after. Yeah. Yeah. Do you also feel that like exhaustion that kind of kicks in? You yeah. like four o'clock and you're like, okay, well, <laughs> ready for bed now. Yeah. Okay. 5 p.m. bedtime. Honestly, mm-hmm. like on, it's crazy how your body knows it's Shabbos and that it needs extra sleep. Yeah. I think that's the mental part of it too. Because you know, in, like in your head, I can't do anything. I can't text that person back or email that person back. And it's like the body just somehow knows how to relax and dive into that. Yeah. Would you say that your work as a therapist makes you appreciate Shabbos even more? Because it seems like a really intense job that you would need a reprieve from. It's a great question. I think who I am as a person is pretty type A. So probably in whatever field, there would be a lot of movement, <laughs> a lot of doing. But yeah, I think as a therapist too, there's an added layer, I would say, of being on and of being connected to other people, which is a beautiful thing. And I absolutely love it. But it does take a lot of emotion in the day-to-day. So I think the answer is probably yes and no at the same time. But I mean, people that aren't therapists, 
there's that like you can turn off moment when Shabbos hits. And that's also like, I think amazing for so many people. Yeah. I hear what you're saying that like, no matter what you were doing, that's kind of your personality. Like you wouldn't need that reprieve. Okay. So I would love if you could dive into sharing a little bit about what from your perspective, obviously we're not going to dive into the spiritual aspect of Shabbos today. Today, I want to talk about the psychological and emotional benefits of Shabbos that we can really experience. So I'd love for you to share what do you think the main psychological, emotional benefits can be from Shabbos? Yeah. And I, again, so another really good question. I think that Shabbos is a built-in mindfulness and meditative system that kind of forces us to, number one, rest, and number two, reflect. So we don't have distractions. We can't go outside. We go inside. So if I had to boil it down, I would say that those are probably the two things that I would define as the biggest components of what Shabbos can bring to us. I love that. Can you expound a little bit on those two things that you said, rest and reflect? What does rest look like and what does reflect look like? Okay, let's do it. Rest is a concept that we've all heard of, but I don't really know how many people actually know how to rest. You can lie down on your couch and be like, okay, I'm taking 30. Nobody talked to me, but your mind is racing. You're planning things out in your brain do you know what this is like? You have this experience ever? Yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> right? And you're or this happens a lot for you know people that I speak to. Like I went on vacation and I thought I would just get there and be totally fine, but mm. I couldn't. My brain wouldn't stop, and I'm sitting there in my lawn chair, but I'm still working in my head, and I don't know why I still felt stressed, even though I was like on the beach. Rest is something that we know about, but we don't always know how to do. Real true rest is when you shift. Okay. Well, I'll zoom out for a second and I'll talk about the two minds that we have. Basically you shift your doing mind, okay, which is one of the minds that we all have. And you shift into something called the being mind, which is where you put all productivity on hold, all planning on hold. There are no goals when you're in the being mind. There are no future steps that you need to reach or hit or anything like that. You just are in the moment. That's it. Period. And I think to me, that's really what rest means. It's when you can turn off your brain, turn off your productivity. You're just there. We could talk about why this is hard for us at probably another time or maybe later in this conversation. But to me, that's rest. And then the second part, which is reflect. Once we're done being busy, once we're done reaching our goals, and once we're done being distracted, sometimes good distractions, sometimes maybe not as healthy distractions, we're kind of left with ourselves or with our people who end up bringing out the deepest parts of ourselves, as you also probably know. And when we're left with no other external distractions and nothing else kind of hitting and impacting our worlds, our only real choice is to look inside. And that's what reflecting is. And we can reflect on a lot of things. We can reflect on who we are and how we've grown or how we haven't grown or what our yearnings are and what our maybe our sadness is trying to tell us or our anger is trying to tell us even. It doesn't always feel great to reflect. But when we don't have anything else in the external world and we look inside, that's what reflection means. Nice. What you're saying is so important to me because I think that especially people who observe Shabbos know that even though there is that switch, that switch that happens when you come into Shabbos, 
It is easy to avoid the rest and reflect on Shabbos by filling Shabbos up with so much activity that you don't really have to sit with your people, sit with yourself, rest and reflect. And I love how you're articulating precisely what it means to actually sit down and rest. And Shabbos mirrors the six days of creation that then ended with God resting. And our lives can mirror that too, where we, for six days, we make the world a better place. We're productive. You're a therapist. You care for people. And then on the seventh day, it's just, I'm just going to be that being mind of that internal state of rest. Why is true rest so hard for us? This is a tough one because this also causes us to have to reflect in order to find the answer. I think for different people, it's different. On the surface, I think a lot of us just don't want to face our emotions or our demons or the parts of life that are really hard. And if I'm distracted enough and Better yet, I'm distracted with productive things. I don't have to. I'm doing good things in the world, right? Even for myself, I'm a therapist and this and that. I'm being productive in beautiful and meaningful things. So if I'm productive all the time, I don't have to stop and think about my own stuff in my own world. It's a nice safety measure. I think that's one reason why it's hard to rest. And I think there are others too. There's a sense of responsibility that comes with it. When we reflect enough on our own lives, we can get kind of real and we can say, oh, I understand. This is a struggle I've been having for a while. There's a change that I need to make or there's some of my own work that I need to do. And when we have that thought, in comes the responsibility. And then we know, oh, gosh, it's really up to me to make this change in my life or to do this thing or to work on this mindset. So I think that that's another reason why it's hard to just stop and and let ourselves really go there in an internal way. Do you have any thoughts? Any, anything come to your mind about why it could be hard for people to hit that place? I think, as you said, it's hard to really confront the internal world. And it's easy to feel so good when you're being productive. And I think that there are two modes, like you said, the two modes of being really mirrors like the two modes of being also with God. Like God asks us to do for him. And then he also asks us to be with him. And sometimes it can be easier to do for him than just to simply be. Ooh, Tanya, that's big. I really like that. That's so true and very real. Yeah. That's an amazing connection. I never thought about it that way. But thank you for for sharing that here. Thanks, Elisa. I think the cool part about the doing mind and the being mind is that everybody's going to be listening to this on audio, but I'll show it to you because we're on the screen. Okay. It looks like a Venn diagram. Okay. You remember those from third grade? Yeah. Um, so there's like one circle here, and that's your doing mind. And then there's the other circle here, and that's your being mind. Okay. If you're only in doing mind, you burn out. You don't reflect. You do not grow. You don't get to revitalize yourself. And it's like a fire that just blows up and then turns to ash. If you're only in the being mind, okay, that's the other side of the diagram, you don't actually get, ever get anything done, and you don't contribute to the world. And you are not connected to the world, even if you think you're connected to yourself. And this is also one of the differences between what we think as spirituality versus something that's just purely Buddhist. Like you're sitting yeah. on a mountain for the rest of your life and you don't interact with people, whatever it is. That's not our world. That's not what we do. Right. And we can't, honestly. We wouldn't function that way either. So if we get stuck in the being mind, we actually might start to get really depressed. Like we're not actually doing things or progressing in our lives. And we're also going to be very disconnected from the people around us. So picture this doing mind, picture the being mind on the other side. Now picture the middle, the overlap. 
right down the middle is what we call the wise mind. When I've learned to balance my doing mind and my being mind, I know how to be productive during the six days and I know how to rest on the seventh. I hit the sweet spot called the wise mind, which is my very intuitive and expansive state because I know how to do when I need to. And then I know how to pull back. And when we pull back, when we rest and we're just being, we have these like great ideas. We have this expansive mentality. Things just kind of hit us. We wake up and all of a sudden it's Monday and we have energy and we're not burnt out. It's a wild thing. This can happen. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah, I know. Really? <laughs> And then we go, go, go. And then it's Shabbos. And then we rest. We turn off. We connect with our families, with ourselves. And then we do it again. And instead of feeling like this state of like either burning out or we're never moving forward, we're in a state of moving forward and then pulling back and then moving even more forward. And that's the wise mind. And that's kind of like that middle path between the two. And I think I, love that. I was reminded of that when you brought up the analogy of the doing mind and the being mind, even in our relationship with God, because I feel like that's a wise mind place to be with God too. You know, we can do for him and do for him, but we also, when we're also learn how to be with him and then he can kind of just like step in and say, Hey, I'm going to enter your life and I'm going to do this thing for you. Then right. we're much in a wise mind relationship with him too. Yeah. I love how you said that. It's a cyclical process. It's something that we renew every single week. Like we enter that expansive state of being and presence, and then we go back into the world to do. And the balance is quite telling that six days a week we do, and one day we rest. So I'm interested what your thoughts are on the fact that it is quite imbalanced. Six days we do, one day we rest. Do you think there's any specific significance to that? That is such a good question. I don't think I've ever thought about that. Things are putting me to work. You can take a second. I mean, I'll tell you what comes to mind. It's really hard to be. Mm. It's really, really hard to be in a very true way and to just let go and to just turn your mind off and to just connect with like your inner world, your deeper self. It's not an easy thing. I don't think it's an easy thing for anyone. And this is literally my job to help people do this. And it's not even easy for me. And I think... Also in the world that we're in, being able to contribute and being able to bring things to the people around us is in a certain sense that much more important. That is what we're here to do. We're not here to only be self-reflective and to only be in our own heads and only be in our own spaces. And I think that was built in the system for really good reason. I can't say I know exactly why, but the fact that it is this way makes me realize we maybe only need one day of that true deep reflection in an intensive way. And the rest of our lives can be beautiful and productive and we shouldn't give the doing mind a bad rap either. Nice. I love that you said that, like that it's our purpose in this world is to make it a better place. And then we need that rest once a week to be able to do that. So something I was thinking about was the way that God instructs or asks or welcomes us maybe to really beautify our space ourselves and the meals that we have on Shabbos. How do you think the beauty of Shabbos, like the physical beauty, the beautiful meals, the beautiful singing, the beautiful clothing, how do you think that contributes to presence, to rest, to being? That's a great question. You're actually making me think about the concept of mindful eating, just to talk about the food component mm. for a second. And there's crazy amount of research that eating mindfully helps you digest your food better. People who, who eat mindfully, I don't care about this component necessarily, but their BMIs are just a lot lower. They eat more mindfully and their food just digests more naturally. Not having screens when you eat, the whole 
notion of preparing your food and what, like being there while you prepare your food. It's just crazy the amount of data and the amount of research about this. So I think there is real concepts in terms of showing yourself in all the different ways, whether it's with clothing, whether it's with food, whether it's with preparation, that mindfully paying attention and bringing awareness to all the different facets of the world is how we're actually supposed to be. I don't think we're supposed to be like eating Chinese food out of our kitchens, like in a container between sessions, like five, four, three, two, one. Like, okay, we're <laughs> Aliza, something tells me. <laughs> no, I'm thinking from like other people's experience. Yeah, not mine. somewhere like on social media. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I love Chinese food, but that's you know, I don't think that that's the way that we're supposed to operate. And so, I think that being able to beautify things, whether or not it's our tablescape or the things that we're wearing or the food that we're eating is a good reminder that this is actually a much healthier and present and connected way of being in the world. I love that. That concept that when you make a more intricate meal, you spend more time on it, you prepare it more mindfully, and then you eat it more mindfully, and then it just creates a more present experience. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I do feel in my experience, when I'm sitting at a Shabbos table and the food is delicious and the company is beautiful and the space is beautiful and I feel great in what I'm wearing, there is an extra push to savor the moment mm. because it feels beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mindful eating encourages you to eat food that you love, to explore different foods, to be able to be present with it. You have to be enjoying it. Absolutely. That is like textbook mindfulness practice. And the other part of mindfulness that's so relevant to this conversation is that we use all of our senses. When we're practicing mindfulness, we observe the things that we see, that we hear, that we feel, that we taste, that we smell, and we describe them. And you can't do that if you're standing outside of your fridge for five minutes eating Chinese food out of a container. You don't have time. You're not in the moment. You're not actually experiencing it. But I love what you're bringing up here. You're more inclined and you're more ready and you have more of a space to sit and savor the moment and to look at the beauty and to take in the sounds and the conversation and to just fully, fully be in that experience with everything you've got. Yeah, it's really true. I love this. I love this also because if you're seeking to make this world a better place according to their directives of Judaism, then being able to enjoy God like in the way that he, it's just like, it's very much connected, basically being able to be present, have a relationship with him in order to then go out into the world and make the world a better place. So that's what I want to talk about. If you do have a really present, engaged job is how do you then take it into your week? Is it something that is going to be an isolated experience once a week? And then you have like an insane burnout week and you crash into Shabbos 4 PM, your body's like, I'm shutting down. And then you start again, or is it something that can really carry you? That question is so perfect. And actually, I wanted to mention that earlier. And then I got sidetracked because we're having such a good conversation. And I'm happy. That's a totally, hugely important question. For sure, Shabbos is an immersive experience while it's happening. And for sure, the concepts of mindfulness and rest are meant to be brought with you into your everyday life during the week as well. I feel like Shabbos is like, the real dive in 25 hours, you need a big dose of this. And then during the week, we need to learn how to incorporate rest and reflection and slowing down at the very least every day. And people do that in different ways. Some people do a reflection before bed. Some people spend five minutes in the morning before they turn on their phones. Some people do it with a blessing. If you're talking to the creator, 
you're probably not going to want to be texting at the same time. So that's just a moment of being able to just turn off and have quiet and have a space. So in a long-winded way, yes, for sure, we should be able to bring Shabbos into our everyday lives too. And I think probably the biggest way that we can do that is with the reminder that rest for us is possible. Ideally, if we do Shabbos right, we have this muscle that we start to build and then we start to exercise that muscle throughout the week too. It's a Thursday night, it's 11 o'clock, I have 14 emails I need to respond to and I'm just ready to go to bed. And I'm like, okay, Lisa, you know, this is actually a moment where your stress level is too high. You need to relax for a moment. You need to bring yourself back to center before you finish being productive. But you know how to do this. You know how to do this. You do this. You do this every weekend. You try to do this at least every day. You know what this is experience is like. So take five minutes or take 30 seconds, whatever it is for you. For me, it varies. <laughs> but then we can remind ourselves, I know how to do this whole rest thing. I know how to bring my level of overwhelm or stress or whatever it is back to baseline so that I can get back to the productivity and back to that doing mind that I, that I know I need to be in right now. You have to know what's happening in order to change it. So I have to know that I'm overwhelmed or stressed or overworked or burning out in order to then say, now I need to do rest. And if I can't know that, I'll never get to the point of rest. So you have to kind of be aware, oh, my level is up here and I need a moment. You need to stop what you're doing. So that's where that stopping just comes in. And then you can bring yourself back to the moment in a present way without productivity and with a tiny dose of, of that being mind. Mm. And then once you notice like, okay, you know, it's still a lot, but I'm feeling a little bit more grounded. I'm feeling like I can do this now then you get yourself back into it. And it really is a muscle. It really, really is. It's something that you can build and you can strengthen. And if you're not used to doing it, it can seem super foreign and honestly like fake in the beginning. And it takes a lot of reps. But if you do it enough times, that muscle will start to strengthen and you'll be able to get yourself into that state of calm, presence, grounded, I'm here. And now I can go back to working really hard much more quickly. Oh, I like that so much because like the Venn diagram that you described, essentially the presence, the rest, the presence is really the foundation for the doing. The being is the foundation for the doing. It's really not two separate things. You bring yourself back to center and you do from that place as opposed to separately being and separately doing. You got it. It's a symbiotic relationship. You cannot have one without the other. The more you rest, productively within reason, the more you're going to be able to do, the more you do, you're going to be ready for rest. And we know this too, too much rest, like we said earlier, equals depression. Wow. Right. That's how people experience it. I can't get out of bed. I can't move. I can't do anything. Your wow. body is in an unhealthy relationship with rest and it's trying to conserve your energy. It's trying to protect you, but it's imbalanced. I guess that's a better word. It's an imbalanced relationship with rest. Right. And the treatment of that is something we call behavioral activation. Let's help you get back to your doing mind. Let's help you learn that balance again. Mm. It's so beautiful because essentially what we're doing is really finding the soul within the structure in Judaism that we are given for rest, for mindfulness, and being able to internalize it in a way that really impacts our human life, that we can be productive in a more holistic way that does not lead to burnout as much. I mean, obviously, religious Jews experience burnout too. But I think sometimes it's really because we're not tapping into Shabbos. I know for myself, I had a terrible habit of on Shabbos, whenever we had downtime, dreaming, talking about the future. And 
obviously, like I've heard you say this before, that the only way to know if you're doing mindfulness right is how present am I in this moment? Like no future-oriented thinking, no tomorrow, no next week, no in five years, but right now. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, Shabbos can be depleting as opposed to being rejuvenating. Yeah. And that's, thank you for bringing that back up. It's, It's really, you can measure it how much you feel like you're in the moment. And I'll tell you this, I think for me, it's been a big balance because I love dreaming too. Mm. And I love thinking about the future and about what's possible, et cetera. So for me, it's definitely been a dance of reining it in, but also being open because I think, I don't know if other people have this experience too, but sometimes truly when I hold back and I just let myself stop with all the thoughts, that's when I actually get a lot of my greatest insights and inspirations. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a great idea. I definitely need mm. that, <laughs> you know, but I'm like, I'm just drinking my coffee and it's, and it's Shabbos morning at nine 30. Like how did that just pop in there? But then it becomes this really cool thing that I want to then go ahead and do. So then it's just like noticing it and saying, yeah, that's an amazing idea. Okay. And then that's it. You know, so I mm. a balance of being able to just not be too future oriented, but also open to things and ideas and inspirations if they do come along. And that's an interesting point, because I actually think that the creativity only happens when you aren't looking for it. Like the reason why you're extra creative on Shabbos is because you're not brainstorming while having your Shabbos morning coffee. You're just like, first of all, I love that visual because we all have it like that Shabbos morning coffee. But sitting there and having that coffee and just totally not thinking about work and then it springs up and you're not expecting it. You're not looking for it. And I think that's different than actively having the conversation. Like, I do think that that's rejuvenating. I read something that was really stuck with me about procrastinating, that sometimes when you can't find the words for your writing or the solution to any issue that you're doing, to procrastinate and to go do everything else. And we think that's a terrible thing, but in reality, it gives our mind the space to come up with the solution. So, yeah. And I do that all the time with my own decisions too. I will think, 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 get stuck. Like, I really don't know what to do. And then I'm like, okay, great. I am done thinking about this. And everyone's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I literally do not know. And then I don't think about it for three days. And then I wake up a couple days later and I'm like, that just feels like the more right option. So I'm going to go with that. And I wasn't even actively thinking about it, but something wheels were just turning. It's not a perfect system, but it has worked really well. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's that same idea. When you stop, sometimes that's when the clarity or the inspiration or the creativity really hits. Yeah. The pause is really important for the productivity. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So you mentioned that you grew up religious, that Shabbos has been a part of your life forever. I am interested to know if your relationship with it has evolved at all. Was there ever a time when you were resentful of it or tell us? Yeah, definitely. Still evolving. (laughs) That's good. That's good. And I, I think it's really important to not step into these like fall pretenses, rose-colored glasses. It's always been a beautiful... No. Shabbos is hard sometimes. Like it's not... I would say net, it makes me so much happier than it is challenging, but we can't deny that there are challenges that come along with it. Just like it's hard to go to the gym. Just like it's hard to go for a run in 30 degree weather. It's hard to do a lot of things that are really worthwhile for us, but we can't take away the fact that sometimes there is a challenge that comes along with it, you know? And yeah, I think it's been challenging for different reasons. Some of the reasons are because there's so much that I want to do. And I'm like, only I have this extra day and I have to remind myself of everything that we're speaking about. Wow. Sometimes because I have friends 
in all walks of life. And I'm like, I'm not participating in the things that you are. And that's really hard for me. And I really kind of wish I was there, but I'm not. Right. That sometimes brings up challenges too. And I think just in a very real way, I think this is like a big thing that's actually happened to me over COVID. I haven't been surrounded by the same amount of people on Shabbos. And that's been tough too, because it has caused me to need to have a lot more time reflecting in my own world. Hopefully we do the work enough that it becomes a beautiful, bright place that we are happy to go reflect to, but it's not always that way. So I think that that's been a challenge that's come up for me with Shabbos too. Mm. I'm sure a lot of people could relate to that. If you spend Shabbos alone or somewhat alone, then maybe you get too much reflection. But again, I think it is what we really need it to be, even in, and especially in the moments that it's hard. Nice. That's, that's all of growth. That's, I mean, the, the gym analogy is the perfect analogy. If you go to the gym and you're not pushing yourself, you're actually not building any muscle. So if you go through Shabbos and expect it to be only perfect, you're also not going to push any spiritual muscle or build any spiritual muscle. What would you say to someone who kind of has the opposite experience of yours? So you're mentioning that throughout COVID, Shabbos has been even quieter, Mm -hmm. less people around. Now, some people are living in a reality where Shabbos is the most hectic, chaotic day of the week. Mm -hmm. So how can a mother who has many children or many guests or someone who's hosting many people on Shabbos or anyone who has that chaotic Shabbos experience. How can someone having that chaotic Shabbos experience tap into the rest and reflect that we're discussing here that could be so fruitful on Shabbos? Love it. Okay. Amazing question. So I think this is how it is with anything in life. We have to figure out what works for us. This is not a one size fits all situation, not a, not even a little bit. So if you're hosting a million people and you have to wake up at 6am to start preparing the salads and you have two kids running around or four kids running around and the house is like flying and nobody's there to help you take care of kids, like it's a different, it's a different story. And you have to find the ways that you bring rest and just like the stopping mentality into your own life. Let's really try to keep in mind, we're talking about a mental rest here. So you can be making a salad in the kitchen, but mentally giving yourself a break, mentally saying, I'm so proud of myself and what I accomplished this week. I'm proud of the mom that I am. I'm proud of the wife that I am. I'm proud of the friend that I am. I'm proud of the work that I did in a spiritual way. I'm proud of the work that I did in an emotional way this week, and I'm done being productive with it. I'm just here and I'm proud of who I am in this moment. And I think it's about figuring out what your system needs for rest And even if it's the busiest day of the week for you, because there's a million people around and everybody's flying, doesn't matter. Rest is a very personal experience and you don't need to be lying on a couch alone with a coffee to achieve the same results. Not at all. I love that point that you made about mental rest. I think that's a reframe. We do think about, you know, we think about being on a beach or being in an empty, quiet, empty house and quite literally people who have kids, it's like the one day of the week when all your kids are home. Yeah. So it's a different experience for right. parents, for people who are hosting, et cetera. What else can someone do to proactively rest when things are hectic on Javis? Really just using your senses, focusing on the tomato that you're chopping, focusing on the sound, singing. If you have your kids at home singing like Shabbos songs in the morning and just being in the moment with them. Beautiful. Using your senses of, 
of hearing and listening to different sounds, even if it's the hum of a refrigerator, just to say, I'm here in this moment. Sometimes you're also disconnected from technology. And that is the biggest way that you're just automatically resting. And you can reflect and you can say, what is my mind on? Am I being self-critical right now? Am I being harsh on myself right now? Am I yelling at people in my head, even though it's Shabbos morning? And you could take a break from that too. You could take a break from everything. It's your permission slip to just stop and pause and to be done. And you can notice a critical thought and say, you know what? Not today. Wow. Just not today. Or you can think about a fight that you're having with somebody and you can say, you know what? Not today. I don't have to solve that today. And I think this is a very personal thing, but figuring out what is it that's causing us stress or overwhelm and allowing ourselves to truly take a break from it and to say somehow in the great big world, the universe is going to take care of that. And my only job is to be here in this moment for today. Oh, that was gorgeous. When you said, listen to the music of the refrigerator humming Mm -hmm. and just tell your mind, like, not today. Mm -hmm. That is... That's everything. <laughs> That's it. We're done. <laughs> so powerful. Okay, good. I think if listeners can take one thing away, those two words, if, if something comes in, just not today, that could be a really nice anchor to just bring yourself back to the moment. Nice. Not today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even when it's chaotic and even if it's not like your idyllic day, you can still be in that mental state. Just not today. This is something that has come up a lot. In my work, again, illustrating, even if your kids are arguing with each other and there's drama in the house or whatever it is, the not today part is saying, I don't have to stress about this for life today. I don't have to stress about, is my child ever going to be okay? Is he going to pass fifth grade? Is she ever going to calm down? Is this friend of mine ever going to start acting normal again? Is my mom ever going to treat me? Not today. We don't have to catastrophize. We don't have to think about the end of the world. We don't have to solve every life problem for the future. And even, again, if your kids are fighting in the middle of the living room and you're just kind of like, okay, my kids are fighting in the middle of the living room, but I don't have to think about this as a crisis and a problem that I need to solve. That's the not today. Like you don't have to think about what this trait means about this child's future, but just simply, okay, my kids are fighting. Like Mm -hmm. it's a fact, but today I'm not going to be delving into it. Yeah. Not today. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to stick with me. That's really going to stick with me. I feel like it's a quick recenter when you're not experiencing that rest. Mm-hmm. It's a really good phrase for recentering, for sure. All right. Aliza, any closing words before we end about what we spoke about today? Any closing words? This was such a beautiful conversation. It's so crazy. Even in talking about this with you and just speaking about rest, speaking about Shabbos, I feel more grounded than I felt today. Wow. That's the way it works. That's the muscle working. The more we familiarize ourselves and the more we allow ourselves to just be in the space, the calm just starts to kick in. It's really nice. So first of all, I want to thank you for having me. Thank um, you so much. Bringing up this hugely important conversation. And I would say that probably the biggest thing that I'd like to reflect on as a person is that I'm grateful that I have a built-in 25 hours where I'm forced to even try. Mm. Even if I don't succeed, I'm forced to try with Shabbos. Try to bring myself to this place of turning off and just being here and just letting everything take a break. It's been a lifeline. And I think that for people who practice Shabbos in any which way, I don't care if you're fully observant, 
I don't care if you turn on one less light switch, if you try to connect to, or you even think like, oh, it's Shabbos, maybe I'll light candles. Whatever you do to actually incorporate this in tiny, tiny ways into your life, it's astronomical what you're doing for your internal world. You can't see it. You might not even feel it, but you're building and you're feeding a part of yourself that really needs to be fed. So for me, what I, I try to think about that all the time, for sure, for listeners, any single way that you beautify or bring Shabbos into your life, even if it's the smallest thing, is doing wonders for things beneath the surface. Beautiful. I love how you said it's the one day of the week when you can try, even if you don't succeed. Yeah. Like Shabbos does a lot of the work for you, but tapping in is just really allowing yourself to fully receive all the gifts of Shabbos. Yeah. You said it perfectly. It does the work for you. You just show up and it does the work for you. That's exactly right. Thank you, Eliza. That was beautiful. Thank you, Tanya. I really enjoyed this. And I guess on that note, I hope you have a great, <laughs> a great Shabbos. Oh, thank you. Join us next week for our last episode of the season. In our final episode of our Shabbos series, we have a really fun and deep grown-up Shabbos party where a group of women get together to talk, laugh, and speak really deeply about their experiences of Shabbos, both past and present, positive and negative. We have a Shabbos hotline, a little trivia on Jewish law. It's a good time. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss the launch of season three. Follow us on Instagram at Human and Holy. Stay up to date on humanandholy.com. Join our online community. Email us if you're having withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you are having withdrawal symptoms, I'm going to post a list of learning resources on the website so that you have your soulful fix while we're on break. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Elokai zakinina betoratcha uvimitzotecha alichaberet nishmati tamidinecha nechaber nechaber.